the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in today for Mr. Ed Martin. Glad to be with you and cover a few things today that are incredibly important. Some good stuff that I think needs to be talked about. But uh, let me go ahead and start off the show by reminding you, go over to ProAmericaReport.com, also PhyllisSchlafly.com. Those places you can find not only Ed Martin's writings, but you will find all of the show notes, all of the resources, all of the links. You'll find all the podcasts, all the standalone segments of our wonderful guests, so a lot of the wrap-ups and the what-you-need-to-know segments and all of the different things will be there, uh, ProAmericaReport.com. You will not want to miss it. And most importantly, you can sign up for our email list, uh, get on the Ed Martin email list, and I promise you that that will be worth your time, particularly every weekday, uh, first thing in the morning, 7 o'clock Central Time, and all the other time zones and their appropriate uh, uh, hour of the day. You will get the what-you-need-to-know, the wink email. Super short, super fast. It's going to tell you a couple things you need to know and then give you just a handful of links for news stories that day. Sometimes it's what everyone else is talking about with the little analysis you should hear. But other times we're going to cover a lot of things that uh, mainstream and even some conservative news outlets just aren't covering. So it's worth your time, worth your while. Uh, do yourself that favor. In fact, do, do sign up a friend. <laughs> I mean, maybe ask them first. Don't just do it without their <laughs> consent. But sign up a friend. Tell them this is something good that they should get in on. We got a great show today. Uh, Ed did get a couple of good interviews in. I'm looking forward to hearing them. We've got Dr. Naomi Wolf back on the show with us. She has a new book out uh, that I'd like to hear about, Facing the Beast. Uh, this is going to be a good conversation. I think they're also going to dive into some of the current events here. I always appreciate hearing her perspective. And also uh, our good friend, Senator State Senator Tammy Nichols from Idaho. Uh, Tammy, who is always a just an incredible force for grassroots conservatism, getting stuff done. Looking forward to getting a report from her. She and Ed are going to have a good conversation coming up here. Uh, but before we go any further, before we get to these great guests, before we talk about anything else, there is something big uh, that needs to be talked about, something that you need to know about. And uh, it could be several different things. In fact, one of these, it could be that we need to talk about the Supreme Court adopting a, a new ethics code. Uh, but that's not good enough for Democrats. No, no, not good enough for Democrats. Of course, uh, they want to go even further. They would love to violate our separation of powers even farther by uh, making that uh, that new um, code of conduct for uh, the Supreme Court go through Congress, have Congress create that code, uh, a very clear violation of the separation of powers. But uh, nonetheless, they uh, the Supreme Court has unveiled a new code of conduct that pretty much just codifies 
uh, what already exists as far as ethics rules. But uh, we, that's not what we need to talk about today. That is a, a, a news story. Uh, we could talk about uh, Joe Biden's uh, worst, one of his worst uh, violations of the Second Amendment, one of the worst actions by the ATF ruling by rule and executive order instead of by law, stripping the responsibility of Congress and putting it into the administrative state. We could talk about that. Uh, pistol braces uh, being banned and now back thanks to a court that uh, shut the ATF down and said, no, federal agencies don't work that way. In fact, we are going to circle around and talk about that in the wrap up. I think it's something that we need to talk about that you should know about. Uh, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. What you need to know today is that the House needs to get its act together. Eight Republicans decided to vote against an effort to impeach DHS, Department of Homeland uh, Security. Wait, right? Oh, I was about to say secretary, and I just had a blank there for a moment. Forgive me. Um, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas has proven he is an ineffective and derelict leader. Alejandro Mayorkas has basically shunned his responsibility and has left our southern border in chaos, in disarray. And the stories that are coming out um, from Texas and Arizona, it's just absolutely insane what is happening. It's not a porous border. It's not uh, a border with some issues here and there. It's like a wide open, doesn't even exist border. The Biden administration, through the leadership of Mayorkas and the DHS, has thrown open the gates and done everything possible, it seems, to incentivize and uh, to um, uh, make quicker the path of illegal immigrants into the United States, around the system, around laws, around our existing and, and operable system of asylum and visas. Let's just throw it all aside and let everyone in and we'll figure it out later. That's what has essentially happened. And this is not a fringe opinion. This absolute derelict of duty. These egregious failures of DHS Secretary Mayorkas are pretty well known and admitted across the board by moderates, by you know conservatives. It's pretty, pretty well understood. It's not a debatable point. So, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia brought this forward to impeach Mayorkas, to impeach DHS Secretary Mayorkas for these egregious failures, this dereliction of duty which I believe uh, his his we have never seen such um, gross negligence, such it's not even negligence. It really is purposeful. But we have never seen such gross uh, behavior and dereliction of duty from a cabinet level position, I believe, ever in the United States of America. We have reached the level of impeachable offenses. You're not going to do your job. You get thrown out of that job. You're fired. That's how this ought to work. And yet, eight Republicans decided to join all of the Democrats in the House and vote to essentially table to send backward to slow walk this impeachment effort rather than impeach him with a vote of the House yesterday. And this is this is where we need to, to make some things clear. This is really the what you need to know that we need to get into, because these eight 
uh, are trying to make it seem as if they're doing something. And let me let me name the eight here. But these eight are trying to make it seem as though, oh, no, we didn't vote against the impeachment of, of Secretary Mayorkas. We're actually voting to impeach him the right way. We want it to go back to the House Judiciary Committee so they can hold hearings and we can have testimony. And Jim Jordan will do a wonderful job. You know what? We are. It, it was agreed upon from left to right, or I shouldn't say from left to right, from center to right, uh, across the board. Even the Speaker of the House is on board with this. This vote is not rushed. This vote is not hurried. It is not without evidence. It is not without cause. And yet... Representatives Ken Buck from Colorado, Daryl Issa from California, Tom McClinic from California, Patrick McHenry from North Carolina, John Duarte from California, Virginia Fox from North Carolina, Cliff Benz from Oregon, and Mike Turner from Ohio voted to send back this impeachment effort to a committee. Now, they'll say that they advanced it, that they passed it, but the reality is they are slow walking it. Let's be abundantly clear on what's going on. You'll hear Marjorie Taylor Greene and a bunch of the others talking about how they um, derailed this impeachment effort, how they destroyed it, how they... And, and, you know, you might call that language hyperbolic, but it is not inaccurate. They had the opportunity right there, this low-hanging fruit for the House majority to hold accountable a cabinet-level member of the administration who is not doing his job and they failed eight of them ensured that the house majority failed in what would be a responsible and an account an oversight capacity a holding accountable of the administrative branch they failed to allow the house majority to do that and that is a sad statement of the effectiveness of our gop house majority Uh, Now, make no mistake, the vote was 209 to 201. This was not the full House. There were, in fact, 11 Democrats and 12 Republicans who did not vote on the measure. I haven't gone and done the deep dive to find out if these folks were not in town, if they were back in their districts, if they were dealing with something, if they just couldn't be bothered to come over and vote. I don't know. I am not speaking to them. None of them were there and voted present, which often can just be a way to not have to vote yes or no, but allow something to happen, allow a vote to go the way it's going without you having to say, I voted for or against it. But these 11 Democrats, 12 Republicans just simply weren't there. They didn't vote on the measure. And this isn't uncommon. You miss times that there are votes. Uh, you know, it, it happens. I'm not going to I'm not leveling anything at these at these 12 Republicans, but the eight who voted against it. I have heard and I have not seen anyone receive a satisfactory response as to how this is not simply slow walking and being a swamp creature to hold back what is low hanging fruit that ought to be taken care of now that can and should be taken care of now. That's what you need to know. The swamp creatures are ensuring that the House Republican majority cannot be effective in their oversight and accountability measures. That is a disgraceful and a sad state of the House. This far into the year, this many this many speakers into the year, we must get our act together. So make no mistake, don't let anyone lie to you. These eight Republican members of the House decided to slow walk and send backward the impeachment of a derelict member of President Biden's cabinet. This should be easy. And they have made it not so. So for those that are saying shame on them, you know what? I tend to agree. I'm not sure what all the reasons are, and I'm sure they'll try to give excuses left and right. But there really are none that I can see that are acceptable. The House needs to do their job. That means oversight and accountability now. That's what you need to know today. Uh, Come back on the other side of the break here. Like I said, we've got Dr. Naomi Wolf with us today, as well as Senator Tammy Nichols from the state of Idaho. And then we're going to wrap up the end of the show. I want to dive in a little bit to this latest incursion into the uh, into the uh, uh, what should 
should we call it, the affront to the rights of Americans and a federal court rightly slapping them back. It's a good thing. We need more of it to happen. We're going to talk about that at the end. Come on right back here. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, get this standalone and all of the others, and we will see you back here right after the break for Dr. Naomi Wolf and a couple more great topics on the ProAmerica Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. One of my favorite guests in the last couple of years is Dr. Naomi Wolf, and she's a really, really good writer and sort of um, a well-known public intellectual. But she's also been really interesting in this time we're going through. She has a new book. It's called Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith and Resistance in a New New Dark Age, just out uh, on paper in paperback a few weeks ago, November 9th. And uh, Chelsea Green Publishing. I like to always hit the publisher. And so welcome back, Dr. Naomi Wolf, how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on again. I appreciate it. Well, it's always a pleasure. And and I, I always think of uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, whom I worked, who would love that you're on and we're talking about mm-hmm. all these things. And and before we get to the book, I want to ask you about a post. I think I was on your Substack a long time ago, and I mm-hmm. remember reading about about the Second Amendment. And you were talking about how you were home alone and you were concerned about your safety. And you talked mm-hmm. about as a, a woman and a thinker and a, about the Second Amendment. It was interesting then. It's even more interesting after what happened in Israel, because Mm. a lot of people are talking about the fact that lots of people had no opportunity to be armed. Have you reflected on that at all? Uh, I have. And in fact, that reflection is the central theme of my new book, Facing the Beast, which you you just referenced, in which there is a chapter in which I kind of re-examine my propagandized beliefs about the Second Amendment. I mean, propagandized, as your audience may know, I I come from the left. I spent most of my life as a fixture on the left. And the Second Amendment was was misrepresented to us. And I believe that misrepresentation, as, as well as other myths that I, uh, for which I apologize, and facing the beast. But um, yeah, that particular moment, um, I was, you know, alone in the house where we live now in the woods. And I could not defend myself if there was an intruder. And specifically, um, I had earlier fled to the upstairs, locked myself in an upstairs bathroom because a bear was circling the house and trying to get in. And I called the sheriff and they said, um, call us back when the bear breaks into the house. <laughs> so that's what happens when you defund the police. But uh, it was quite frightening. And also, you know, as a woman, as a survivor, you know, I've been in frightening situations. And in fact, looking back, I think a lot of young women Women's experience in particular is of being, you know, scared or threatened a lot of the time, you know, whether it's a, a date that's gone wrong or being just walking alone at night in a scary part of town or hearing noises, you know, when you're alone in a house, it's really you spend a lot of your life as a woman being scared. And I realized uh, after my husband, who's a former um, embedded with special forces uh, military guy, he taught me to shoot at 22. And it was unbelievably empowering the first and second and third time I shot a a weapon. (laughs) Because I mean, this sounds like, you know, gun ownership 101. But it was a revelation to me that I I could be the threat, you know, (laughs) like, I wasn't always going to have to be a victim as a woman. And then I went to a gun shop with Brian and this young woman, this 27 year old, very slight, petite woman showed me a holster 
in which, you know, it's kind of tucks under her, sh- her shirt, tucks into her jeans. Any young woman could go to any concert or event or go anywhere, travel anywhere and, and be armed, right? And be mm. the threat. And just to me as a feminist, this was so mind blowing. I know it is not mind blowing <laughs> to all those millions of women out there who know this already, right. but to me, it was a revelation that being female doesn't mean you have to be always in the victim, potential victim position. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Naomi Wolf again. Um, she is the also, among other things, the co-founder and CEO of DailyClout.io. It's a civic tech company. Very interesting also. But one more extension of that, and then we'll get it, we, we go a bit of the book. Israel, when you see people that were unarmed, lots of people that were unarmed because that's the law, I mean, does it give you a different sense of the American tradition? Uh, how does it impact you, that part of it? Uh, well, that's a complicated question, but obviously I'm Jewish or maybe right. not obviously, right. but I'm Jewish. And, you know, it's so interesting, like anti-Semitism globally is just one inch below the surface and events like October 7th and the retaliation against Gaza or against Hamas in Gaza, which is unfortunately sweeping up a lot of uh, civilians and all of that has inflamed you know, tribalism around the world. And I've been writing kind of against, you know, urging people not to get swept up in inflamed tribalism, right, on either side. But it's definitely also laid bare a lot of anti-Semitism that was just below the surface. I mean, literally, I was shopping yesterday in a local store here in Brooklyn, and someone started chatting with me and said she wanted to get a dog, but that she couldn't get a dog because I had my dog with me, uh, because her landlord is a Jew. And She said it like, of course, you know how awful that is. Like she said it as if I would agree with her that these Jews are such terrible people. And I said, well, I'm a Jew. And, you know, that was the end of the conversation. (laughs) But but interestingly, interestingly, the woman who checked me out was Muslim and wearing a hijab. And she gave me this very caring, supportive smile on checkout. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is people don't have to be divided, right? Hatreds are going to flare up tribalism is going to flare up. But it's my experience having lived in Israel and traveled in West Bank and Southern Lebanon and Muslim countries throughout that region, never to Gaza, but um, that most people just want to send their kids to school. They just want to live in peace. And the real target, I think, for all of this whipped up hatred is actually not in the Middle East. The real target is the same target there's been since 2020, which I explore in Face in the Beast, which is our liberties. The, the pretext, these p- protests which my husband, an investigator, made an important finding are actually like you can press a button and convene a protest now through these CRM management systems. But, you know, they're being whipped up to distract us and to to make us beg for central bank digital currency, to make us beg for more hate speech laws, more suppression of the First Amendment. It's it's very dangerous. We always have to kind of override that impulse to kind of stand with our tribe and always remember that, you know, we have to protect our liberty first of all. Uh, again, Dr. Naomi Wolf is our guest, and her newest book is called Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. If I can say, you got particularly noticed by the non-liberal world, If this is overstating it, but during the COVID stuff, as someone who said, wait a second, this stuff's not making sense, and you were credible enough that you could delve into these things and people would see it. Well, one of the things about this moment, Anthony Fauci, there's now a, a Montana-run lab that has been exposed 
closed. And so we now we know that Anthony Fauci and, and his massive American government operation, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars all over the world, were doing these experiments right in the space we're in. How come we can't get any serious consensus by journalism about how bad this is? Well, serious. I mean, journalism has collapsed, right, mm-hmm. um, since 2020. And we know some of the reasons they've had money pumped into the millions of dollars from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and then later from the CARES Act to crush questions, right, and right. to advance certain narratives that turned out to be not true. So no one journalistically is behaving the way they should be behaving as reporters. I mean, I got deplatformed, which is kind of the central premise of, of Face and the Beast in June of 2021 for doing what journalists are supposed to do. And something I've been doing as a reporter on women's health issues since, you know, for my whole career, which in the past had me lionized, right? Which was, right. I, I reported that women were having menstrual problems upon receiving this mRNA injection. Very neutral eyewitness, you know, accounts of women that I was reporting. I was deplatformed. It turned out the White House drove that deplatforming aligned with uh, the CDC and them bullying Twitter and Facebook and pressuring big tech to censor and smear people like me and people, you know, anyone, the Great Barrington Declaration signatories, anyone who questioned, quote unquote, the narrative, which caused so much grief and pain and poverty, you know, with lockdowns and mandates and masking and so on in the next three years. So the story that I've uncovered, along with these 3,250 doctors and scientists who are working with us at Daily Clout to read through the Pfizer documents released under court order, they've found the greatest crime in recorded history that Pfizer attempted and largely succeeded in uh, committing against the American people and the people of the West, particularly disabilities, deaths, and especially sterilization and damage to fertility. The um, live births have dropped by 13 to 20 percent in the West as a result of this. And I show readers exactly how that happened. What bigger story is there, right? right the new right, crime right. all over this. This is Pulitzer Prize level, yeah. you know, yeah. substance, and it's crickets from legacy media. It is. It's amazing. It's amazing to see. And, and, and I, you know, I guess I mean, we, I'm out of time, but we could go forever on this because you wonder how it will break out. If it, it you know, how, as you point out, we get ourselves wrapped around the next crisis and we're talking about, oh, you know, we've got to control this or control that. And, uh, and, and there's a, a million uh, ways we're distracted. Unfortunately, I got to go not be distracted because my pub, <laughs> my editor will kill me. Facing the Beast is the book Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith and Resistance in a New Dark Age. Uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf uh, writes it's really Really, really important to read her and, of course, go to uh, also to dailyclout.io and learn more about the civic tech company that she founded and runs. Uh, thanks for the time, uh, Naomi. We appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend, I was about to say representative, Senator, Senator Tammy Nichols, who is out in Idaho and is a leader of the conservative efforts uh, there. I think I got to get an update on this. I think their state freedom caucus started and she's a founder of that and operating there. But uh, in the midst of the fight and in in a state like Idaho, there are some Democrats. But the more troubling part of it is that there are some uh, moderate, so-called moderate Republicans, Rhino who uh, tend to go establishment. So welcome back, Tammy Nichols. How are you? 
Good morning. Thanks for having me on, Ed. Great to have you uh, with us again. Now, um, Tammy, the how's the what's the lay of the land out there uh, in Idaho in your legislature? There were real battles amongst conservatives versus sort of establishment folks. Has that settled down? Are you still in the midst of that? I think you won a bunch of seats. The conservatives did. What, what's going on and what's the future look like? Yeah, you're right. Uh, the last election go around, we did uh, do some flipping, especially in the Senate, where we did get um, several more conservative members uh, in the Senate. The House lost a few, but um, but the Senate did did fairly well. So that has uh, been a game changer, actually, here in the state of Idaho, because the Senate has always been the one that everybody looks at as the rubber stamp for the governor and for the uh, lobbyists and corporations. So that's kind of changed things. And what it has done is it has created quite a interesting situation situation now. Uh, yesterday, we actually just broke news that two of our conservative uh, Freedom Caucus members, uh, which I am a co-chair of, uh, were um, chastised and sent letters by the pro tem uh, because they wrote articles regarding the spending, the state spending that's just getting out of control here in the state of Idaho and wow. did not really call out any members or anything, just kind of a generality, but stated with a bunch of facts and showing exactly what was going on. And one of them was removed from her vice chair position on the health and welfare committee. And one of wow. them was asked to apologize and to resign uh, from the JFAC committee, which, which he is on, which is our um, budgeting committee. So that happened yesterday. Uh, breaking wow. news uh, transpired. It's been going all over. We've done a lot of media interviews on it. And it just shows that that rift that is there and how we're shining light on, on uh, what's going on in our state and with the spending especially and the moderates do not like that they don't like that transpiring because a lot of them benefit um, especially during election time with um, donations from ex uh, we have one lobbyist group called IACI which is uh, a big lobbyist group here they do a lot of the big companies the hospitals uh, the pharmaceutical companies and uh, so people that are running for office uh, when they're friendlies with them do well with donations. And, uh, and so, you know, exposing that is not something that they're, that they're liking. And so they are uh, weaponizing their, their roles uh, and going after our conservative members for exposing that information. We're talking with uh, a state senator, Idaho state senator, uh, Tammy Nichols. Uh, Tammy, the you mentioned the uh, Freedom Caucus beginning in your state level. Describe, I know the history a bit, but describe for folks what that means. There's a Freedom Caucus in the U.S. House, of course, started a few years ago. But this is uh, state level uh, efforts and, and sort of um, loosely connected and organized with each other. Talk about what's going on and, and what's happening in your state as well as other states. Yeah, so we did. We um, kicked off uh, the Idaho Freedom Caucus this last session, and it is part of uh, it's based in, in on the uh, Congressional Freedom Caucus. Uh, it is the State Freedom Caucus Network, and they have started uh, Freedom Caucuses in several states. I think they're up to about 14, close to 14 now, wow. and are looking at expanding some more. But it really gives us the ability to 
network with other states and be able to be a support for other states. Um, you know, the, a lot of the things that are happening in Idaho are happening in states all over the nation. And so to be able to have um, a larger uh, support system uh, and networking is very, very helpful. And uh, what it also has given us is it has given us the ability to really get our messaging out um, so that people know what's happening in Idaho, because Idaho has always been considered a very conservative, very red state. And we are in many ways, but we function under blue management. And so we really need to let people know if it's happening in Idaho, it's definitely happening in other states. And consequently, if it's happening in other states, it's probably happening in Idaho. Mm -hmm. So it's really helped out a lot. And also on social media, we have a great social media network uh, where we can share each other's stuff and, and get that message out there, get to a larger audience and have that support system. So it's been, it's been a very, very positive thing. We have public and private members and uh, you know, we are, we're a really good support system and it's, it's creating, creating waves and that's what we need to do with it. Um, Tammy, one of the things that you were uh, very, we're talking with State Senator Tammy Nichols uh, of Idaho, one of the things you were uh, pretty clear about in your run for the Senate, you had been in the House uh, uh, beforehand, was the the COVID lockdowns and what had happened uh, so dramatically in Idaho, done in, in, imposed on uh on the people by Republicans, not 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 by you know liberal Democrats, not even by Fauci. Mm-hmm. By the way, NicholsForIdaho.com, N-I-C-H-O-L-S is Tammy Nichols. NicholsForIdaho.com. I'll put that up uh, so people can track what you're doing on the issues and all, and understand the politics. But so, uh, how is how is that? Um, you, you've talked before about uh, accountability never happening again. Of course, um, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the news? There's more news out that um, that uh, Fauci and others were funding. I think it was Montana-based uh, labs for coronavirus. I mean, we're finding the truth out late um, and almost right. in a way that we're supposed to move on and worry about wars and everything else. What What's your sense on the on the accountability of the COVID and what the what has happened? Yeah, you know, I was very much um, against a lot of the things that transpired because I could really see where it was being used for manipulation and uh, that fear was was the the guys that they were utilizing uh, to see what kind of reaction they could get out of people and get people to do things they normally would not do. And now all this information just continues to roll out, you know, and I was I was raked over the coals on a lot of it when it was transpiring. And now I feel very validated in what I did <laughs> because of all this new information that continues to come out showing just how much this was used to uh, manipulate the American people and to to ruin our our elections and to um, bring in and, uh, you know, government strongholds on on the American public. So, uh, you know, I'm not done with it yet. I'm still going to bring forward uh, legislation because I can see where this could easily be utilized again. And they're not done with it because we keep hearing things that are sneaking in uh, with different um, colleges putting implementing in mask mandates again. And I just read something about uh, colleges that are requiring the COVID shot still to be able to to get admissions to the colleges and universities in some areas. Uh, and so it's not over. Um, we still have to, we can't just move on and forget. We need to put things into place so that we don't go through it again. And, and you know, one of the things that I think is just going to be the best, and I keep seeing 
uh, different parts coming out on it is uh, lawsuits that are transpiring that are being um, pushed uh, because of vaccine injuries or deaths uh, because of the COVID shot. So we can't just move on. We've got to we have to learn from the, uh, what we went through and then implement things so that we don't go through those again that protect the people, uh, because I can easily see what, where they'll just continue to to use this as um, as a problem. And people really need to look at their health districts and see what kind of control and, uh, and power they have uh, in the states to be able to do lockdowns and make decisions because those health districts are typically not elected positions. And they're the ones that are uh, like in Idaho that have a lot of lot of control and ability to be able to do things uh, during pandemics or pandemics. Uh, and so people really need to look at those in their states. It is. I, I agree. agree with you. And, and uh, I encourage you because, as you said, you, you got a lot of attention, uh, national attention, in fact, at various times trying to marginalize your voice when you were saying, hey, wait a second, what's happening here? Um, and now that we're through it, I think people need to, um, I, I, you know, be aware that um, what's old is new again and they'll, they'll find ways to do the same things again. So Tammy Nichols, a yep. state senator from Idaho. Thank you. We're out of time. I appreciate it very much. I should mention she's also one of the national leaders for the last over the last decade of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles with which. Uh, for which I work, and uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly considered her a great uh, friend and, and a great ally, and uh, she's awesome. So check her out. I will put uh, a link up to her website on social media. Got to run. We got a, a break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast launched by Phyllis Schlafly, who served as an articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Upholding that legacy and himself an author, national speaker, and attorney, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. In response to the bogus charges filed against Donald Trump and 18 other Republicans in Georgia, some have absurdly tried to claim that presidents don't have the power to pardon charges filed in state courts. But these people clearly don't know their history or their Constitution. Rights guaranteed by the Constitution have been expanded to apply against state infringements on them, as the Bill of Rights protects citizens against the states today. The liberal suggestion that a pardon would not apply against a county prosecutor is the opposite of what liberals have long insisted for the Bill of Rights. The presidential pardon power in our Constitution was copied from the boundless pardon authority enjoyed by the King of England in 1787. Just three years ago, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit held that, quote, framers modeled this provision on the pardon power of the English crown, end quote, a power which, of course, was vast. Only one narrow limit existed for pardons by the King of England. And only that same restriction was copied into the pardon power inserted into our Constitution for our president. This restriction prevents the issuance of a pardon to undo an impeachment charge, which makes total sense because impeachment is a legislative rather than a judicial power. Last year, the Supreme Court, in ruling against New York gun control, emphasized that the Constitution cannot be interpreted safely except by reference to the common law and to British institutions as they were when the instrument was framed and adopted. The king's vast pardon power confirms that this same pardon power in our Constitution is nearly limitless. One reason that Donald Trump is far ahead of his flailing rivals is that they refuse to pledge to pardon Trump, let alone the many other victims of these blatantly politicized prosecutions. 
The American people see the hijacking of our judicial system and they demand remedy. Only a presidential candidate who wholly embraces their pardoning power will gain the favor of the conservative movement. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. Here to wrap things up, this is Ryan Height sitting in today for Mr. Ed Martin. Glad to be with you. Glad to have uh, spent this time on the show with you. Uh, but one other th- issue that I think needs to be talked about, we need to pick it apart a little bit here. I'm, I'm going to get into the weeds really quick because I think this is a prime example of the kind of thing that's happening when people refer to the administrative state, this growing behemoth of executive branch agencies that just really run amok and go completely outside the boundaries of what they are. Enforcement agents, regulatory agents. Uh, last year, uh, one of the big, uh, two, there were two big rulings that came down from the Supreme Court, in my mind. One of them we've talked quite a bit about, the Dobbs v. Jackson hearing, which, of course, overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, brought the abortion issue back to the states in earnest. But another big one, West Virginia v. EPA. That one has huge ramifications. It was essentially the Supreme Court's knocking down a federal agency saying, whoa, 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 you are a regulatory agency. You have enforcement duties, not lawmaking abilities. Back off. That is not your job. And as it pertains to the ATF, they are currently the number one offender of taking upon themselves this responsibility of legislating from an agency. That's exactly what has happened. So let me back up here. I want to tell you, first of all, what's happened is, and you may not know any of these terms, which is why I'm going to back up and give a short history. Uh, Just in the last week, a federal judge in Texas struck down a new rule from the ATF, not a law, a rule, mind you, they are uh, enforcement agents. They can clarify rules and specifics about laws, but they don't make law. They uh, A new rule banning the use of braces, arm braces, on certain kinds of pistols was struck down by a federal judge in Texas. Now, the, the long and short history of this is for years now, if you're not familiar, we have the National Firearms Act, the NFA, passed back in the 30s. We have the gun Control Act of 1968. Uh, Both of these things have regulated a host of uh, different things related to firearms. So uh, if you want to have a certain kind of rifle that the barrel is less than 16 inches, that qualifies as an SBR or a short-barreled rifle. That has to be regulated by the ATF. You want one of those, you can have it, but you have to pay a $200 tax. You have to fill out special paperwork with the ATF and register it with them. And then three or four months later, hopefully, uh, you will get permission to have your SBR, your uh, uh, short-barreled rifle. Uh, so things like short-barreled rifles or thing or short-barreled shotguns, things like uh, suppressors or silencers, which, uh, unlike Hollywood presents them, don't actually make guns silent. They just make it so it doesn't <laughs> damage your hearing with every shot. Uh, things like um, uh, uh, fully automatic machine guns. Uh, these are the types of things that were regulated. It didn't outright ban the ownership of some of these things, but there are so many hoops to jump through, taxes or fees to have to pay to the federal government. You get on 
their list. You have to register it. Uh, one of these things, uh, back in, I think it was 2012, uh, someone invented in the gun industry a brace. You can have some of these guns as long as they're less than 16 inches. They're not allowed to have a stock, a shoulder stock that fits up to your uh, shoulder. Not allowed to have those. Well, he invents something so that veterans who are disabled and, and can't just hold a, one of these shorter firearms like the rest of us can, he invents this brace that straps to their arm, makes it easier for them to fire. So he sends it to the ATF and says, hey, am I allowed to do this? Or does putting this on a pistol constitute a stock and it's going to be illegal for people? It'll make it an SBR, which they would have to then register. The ATF said, nope, you're good. That's fine. So those braces have become increasingly popular, both in the disabled and not in the disabled community, because it makes this pistol a little bit more manageable. Well, guess what? There are millions upon millions of them in circulation. The ATF doesn't like it. So for years, they have danced around trying to finesse the language of these rules, even though Congress has never made a law regarding if a brace suddenly constitutes a stock. There is no legal change to the status of the law, but the ATF did their best to finesse the rules. And January of 2023, they put down a new rule that says, yeah, those count now as a stock, even though we said they didn't. And even though Congress hasn't made it part of the legislation, we're going to decide that. Uh, so everyone has three choices. Either destroy the gun or register it with us and pay your $200 tax stamp or uh, go to jail. These are your three options. So uh, there has been a huge legal fight gone going. There have been some good court rulings that have protected certain members of certain groups, certain people who've bought certain brands of firearms, depending who brought the lawsuits. But finally, a federal judge has, for all intent and purpose, put this to bed once and for all and issued a nationwide injunction against this rule, no more enforcing the rule ATF, because it is not your job to make the laws. And this goes across the spectrum. This isn't just the ATF and guns. This goes across the spectrum, across the administrative state, the minions of the alphabet agencies that have taken upon themselves the responsibility to make law by crafting and finessing the language of rules. That's a no. And it must be understood fully by Americans, even if guns or the ATF or some specific, the EPA, if it's not your thing, you still need to understand that this affects all of us because it is a massive growth of a bureaucracy that has brought all of our individual rights and all of our freedoms under assault by the host of agencies in D.C. It needs to be understood and it needs to be stopped. This is a huge victory, not just for the Second Amendment advocates, not just for people who have pistol braces, not just for any of that crowd, but for everyone against a weaponized administrative state of regulatory agencies run amok. This is a huge victory. So you need to know that. That's the second thing that you need to know. We'll call that the wrap-up for today. I just wanted to give a little bit of a history there and kind of let you know this victory and why it matters and why it's important. Of course, there'll be appeals and such, but it's in, the, it's in a federal district in Texas. Who are they going to appeal to? The Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit has already ruled on this in a more limited way, and they're against it. And if it gets appealed after that, who's it going to go to? The Supreme Court that passed West Virginia v. EPA that told the, uh, uh, the executive agencies to pound sand when it comes to making new laws. So there you go that's what you need to know on the second side that's our wrap up for today thanks for sticking around for it thanks for being a part of this thank you to ed for leading the show thank you to mason my co-producer for helping us keep all of the trains running on time as we like to say thank you to you for listening for being informed for being a part of this and for being here each and every day for the pro america report go to proamericareport.com you can get this resource and podcast standalone and all the rest of them and you can sign up for the email list and stay interested and stay informed with all the things we're talking about we will look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow on the pro america report we'll talk to you then everyone
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.